0: Hey, welcome to a new episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP number 121. I'm your host, Dorian, and on today's podcast, we ask, what's eating the New York Mets? And special guest, Ali Gerharder, a Brooklyn-based performer, talks about food and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I'm going to talk to you about this delicious beer. Do I change this up? Do I change the beginning up? Do I just not tell you what I'm drinking Maybe in the future, but right now, we're not changing anything. I'm having an Oktoberfest, a Marzen-style lager from Coney Island Brewing Company in Brooklyn, New York. Now, this Coney Island Brewing Company is basically on the ground floor level underneath Malmonides Park, where the High A Minor League Brooklyn Cyclones play. And you're going to give me a minute because I'm going to have another drink. As you know, I've already been drinking before I started recording. This is the high-A minor league team for the New York Mets. They play in Queens, as we all know. And on this Brooklyn Cyclones team right now is the number one prospect of the New York Mets catcher, Kevin Parada. And as we know, the parent club, the New York Mets, are having a very bad season. They're currently fourth place in the National League East. They are 19 games behind the first place Atlanta Braves. The Mets have a run differential of negative 16. And if you look at it through that way, of they have a negative differential, a negative run differential of 16, they shouldn't be as bad as they are. No, they shouldn't, their records shouldn't be as bad as they are right now. But if you watch some Mets games, if you watch some of the highlights, lowlights, maybe you might call them. You see silly defensive errors. And beyond the Mets, in baseball as a whole over the past two or three weeks, I've seen a lot of basic outfield errors. I don't know if you've seen this as well from the team or teams that you follow or just watching a random game that you have on television or on your phone. I've seen some pretty bad outfield errors from teams across the league over the past two or three weeks. Should we break down why the Mets have been so bad this season? I'll do some highlights. It's pretty depressing. You have Max Scherzer, future Hall of Fame pitcher. He has an ERA plus of 106. ERA plus, an average pitcher should have an ERA plus of 100. Max Scherzer, future Hall of Famer. He's making $37 trillion this season. He should not have an ERA plus of 106. Their other big earning future Hall of Famer, Justin Verlander, the pitcher, has an ERA plus of 113. An average pitcher has an ERA plus of 100. Justin Verlander, also earning $37 trillion this season, should not have an ERA plus of of 113. But really, my biggest disappointment, because he's been with the team now for three seasons, shortstop Francisco Lindor, the Puerto Rican shortstop, Francisco Lindor. His power has completely drained ever since he put on a New York Mets uniform. This is my opinion. I've looked into some of his stats. The only positive thing I think of this season is he's going to have the most stolen bases in his career up, up until 2019. But in 2019, the bases weren't expanded as they are now in 2023. And in 2019 was the last time that Francisco Lindor was voted as an All-Star. Yes, you can talk about how the all-star game is just basically a popularity contest. But Francisco Lindor is a pretty popular dude. People like his smile. They love his demeanor. And the fact is, he hasn't been an all-star caliber player in now four years. And he's also making $37 trillion this year. And he's making what? I think he signed that $300 million contract. Excuse me, that's a $341 million contract over 10 years. So he's making $34 million this year, and he is not playing up to his contract. I was really surprised when I saw this. Lindor hasn't hit over 300 since 2016. Let me repeat that. Lindor has not hit over 300, nor has he even been close to hitting over 300 since 2016. People, that was seven years ago. That was seven years ago and a pandemic ago. He is not even close to being an elite shortstop, an elite batter, nothing. When I saw that, I thought back to the Cleveland Indians. This was any play for the Indians before they changed their name to the Cleveland Guardians. That's why I'm using the word Indians. The Indians obviously did not want to pay him, and they let him go. Number one, because as we know, the Dolan family that owns it, namely Paul Dolan, who's the managing owner because his dad is really, really old, they're cheap. They aren't going to pay anybody. And so they let him go regardless. But they may have known that he was on the downslope. You're talking about a guy who was was to about 24 years old when he left Cleveland. And they were like, not only do we know that we're not going to pay this guy, we know this guy is on the downslope. And now in two and a half seasons with the New York Mets, He hasn't done anything. He has a lot of uncompetitive at-bats. Swinging at the first pitch, boom, out, double play, whatever you want to call it. His batting average reflects that. His OPS plus reflects that. His OPS plus in 2021, 100. Completely average player with the Mets. In 2023 this year, his OPS plus is 108. Again, basically an average player. The owner of the Mets, Uncle Steve, Steve Cohen, is not paying Francisco Lindor $34 million this year for him to be an average player with a 225 batting average. He, for me, is the most disappointing Met. I don't care. You can talk about Jeff McNeil. You can talk about Brandon Nimmo. You can talk about Max Scherzer. I don't care who you talk about. You can even say, oh, Edwin Diaz, the relief pitcher, he shouldn't have been playing the World Baseball Classic back in March, and he tore up his knee, and now he's unavailable. Who cares? Don't get me wrong, I love Edwin Diaz. But Edwin Diaz wouldn't have done anything with his team. For me, Francisco Lindor was the marquee signing of the new Steve Cohen administration. And Francisco Lindor is not going to bring down the Steve Cohen administration. But man, I can't stand this. And I'm going to have a drink because it really frustrates me when I think about Francisco Lindor in a New York Mets uniform. Give me a second. And you know what I love about Steve Cohen, Uncle Steve? During the press conference last week, which I know most of you have heard, he was addressing the fact that people want him to fire people. And he said, this is not a good thing. Basically, he said, quote, If you want to attract good people to this organization, the worst thing you can do is be impulsive and win the headline for the day. I know the fans want something to happen, but sometimes you can't do it because you have long-term objectives, end quote. When I saw this, I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't mind working for Uncle Steve. This man actually sounds like a good manager. And in our lives and in our jobs, we come across some real crappy managers. Too often people are promoted because they they are good at their functional job. But the higher you go in an organization, you're not dealing with day-to-day work you're just dealing with people and budgets and uncle steve he sees that he's like we don't we don't need to be doing reacting as our management philosophy we need to create stability here with the new york mets within the baseball organization because in the future people are going to look at us and say how did they treat the last person that was in that position am i going to be treated that same way uncle steve surprised me by being so far a good manager manager of men and women who currently operate the New York Mets cheers to that I'm gonna have a drink to that and cheers to him doling out a payroll of 360 million dollars that's crazy is Justin Ferlander gonna be traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers in a few weeks I don't know but as we know the Dodgers have a starting pitching problem they have injuries And injuries and injuries with the starting pitching problems. And they also have a bullpen problem. My last point about the New York Mets is just yesterday, on the 1st of July, it was Bobby Bonilla Day when he received his $1.19 million deferred payment. Cheers to Bobby Bonilla. He's going to continue to receive $1.19 million, I think, until the year 2035. Bonilla hasn't played for the Mets in, what, over two decades. (laughs) His... Agent was a genius for doing this. Do we call people who invented parts of the social media geniuses as well? The guy that invented Instagram, the guy that invented MySpace, the guy that invented Periscope? I don't know. But I do know that the picture of what I'm drinking, this Octoberfest that I'm drinking here in July, it's still delicious. I don't care if it's Oktoberfest, Marchtoberfest, or Decemberfest. I'm still drinking this delicious beer from... Coney Island Brewing Company. It's going to be on our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. Check us out. If not, no big deal. Keep listening. And when you're not watching baseball this week, you might want to become you might want to come across the show sponsor of this episode, Hollywood Video. Now you can rent all new releases or anything else for five days. You can enjoy it at your own pace. At other video stores, you only get one day on new releases, so you can't enjoy it because you're too worried about getting it back on time and then you have to fly out the door to get the vi- to get to the video store before it closes and the clock is tick tick ticking the phone is ringing the late fees are piling up that's too much stress only Hollywood Video has Star Wars The Phantom Menace for 5 days so you can watch it again and again welcome to Hollywood Hollywood Video I actually never watched Star Wars The Phantom Menace. So I think I'm going to do this weekend is go down to Hollywood Video and check out Star Wars The Phantom Menace. I did watch episode 1, 2, and 3 of Star Wars. And it's very philosophical. It's very religious. It has like Buddhist undertones. It has these ancient religions undertones. It's much more philosophical than you are led to believe. But I'm not a fan of it. I actually like the new Star Trek movie specifically the Star Trek movie that came out in 2009 that was a heck of a movie and i'm usually i'm not a sci-fi fantasy or whatever the heck you want to call it yeah sci-fi fantasy that was the one that that was the one that jj abrams directed really good movie check out that Star Trek 2009 film from jj abrams in between watching another disappointing francisco lindora bat of course and speaking of disappointing I mentioned very quickly about the disappointing Dodgers bullpen. Our next guest is going to elaborate on the issues of the Dodgers pitchers. This week, our special guest is Ali Gerharder, a Brooklyn-based performer. Allie, welcome to Hipster hey. Baseball Podcast.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Let me ask you the hard-hitting questions, the Barbara Walter questions. What's been more thril- thrilling in your life, meeting Yasiel Puig or being featured in a New York Times wedding announcement?
1: Oh gosh. Well, maybe the New York Times wedding announcement because we didn't think that we were important enough to get in. And so that was a big surprise. Meeting Puig was awesome, but it was also under the circumstances of I had a split lip and was swollen. And so it was exciting, but it was also like very crazy. And I don't know. (laughs) Everybody always asks me if I would do it again, and I haven't decided the answer to that question.
0: You know, you you already have a step ahead of Charlotte York, who obviously, in the Sex and the City, she freaked yeah. out when she was in the New York Times wedding announcement, but she had that, what was it, like the Hitler mustache? or whatever. You Oh, there, I don't you... remember.
1: I vaguely remember that episode. But... Yeah,
0: so you already had of her because you both were featured in the wedding announcements of the New York Times, but she never met Yasiel Puig. She never met
1: Puig, no.
0: Yeah. So tell us, we keep hinting at it. How, what is that circumstance that you actually met Yasiel Puig about six or seven years ago Al, out in Los Angeles when he was with the Dodgers?
1: So I actually met him in New York and let me just, so yeah, it was September of 2016. So I'm, I've been living in New York since 2013 and I have been involved with a really great community of Dodgers fans here in New York. Um, so I can talk about that a bit more later, but um, essentially we always go to the games when the Dodgers are in town and usually it's, it's the Mets. But every so often, and now it'll be more often, um, it was the Yankees. And so we went as a big group to see the Dodgers at Yankee Stadium. Lots of people there, lots of friends, lots of margaritas. It was a great time. And we were sitting pretty close to the field, like essentially near Puig. And we are a big group. We're loud. Clearly throughout the game, he knows that we're there. Um, so the very last out of the game, he caught a pop fly and then tossed it into the stands. And so this was this was like the season before they extended the nets in all of the stadiums. And I think that was partly because of some other incidents, but I'm, I think probably included in that list of why they um, extended the nets. So he tossed the ball into the stands. We all know it's coming to us. We're all trying to catch it. I like have the realization that it is coming to me and I have my hands up. I obviously don't have a glove and I think I'm going to catch the ball. And I don't know if it went through my hands or if it bounced out of my hands or what, but it hit me in the face. And then I look down and I don't have a ball in my hand. I have a tooth in my hand um, and it is my front tooth. <laughs> um
0: that's so, that's that an adult tooth fairy special it's the adult version yeah. she came back later yeah. in life
1: um so you know there was a whole er visit there was all this stuff um and then it kind of went like i guess mini viral on dodgers twitter um <laughs> like you know I, like it was sort of made the rounds a little bit um and then essentially i think that was the first game in a three-game series and i had tickets to the th- third game i want to say so i think i want to say it was a saturday game and i and they were playing saturday sunday monday or something like that um and so i had tickets to the third game in the series and i was kind of like well i don't know if i should go now because i had been up late at the er i had gone to the dentist i had stitches in my face and all this stuff um and then i got a instagram dm from some person um who was like hey i'm Tweegs translator, he would like to meet up with you. And so I do some like LinkedIn stalking to figure out like, is this guy for real? Am I being trolled? And I'm like, okay, no, I think he's real. So I'm like, okay, I'll go. Um, So I went, I, you know, I had to get to the game anyway. I went to the game um, and then got to meet up with him in, I don't know, I actually don't know the right baseball word for this, but what I would as a performer call backstage, I got to go backstage after the game at Yankee Stadium um and got to chat with him for a few minutes. So that that's kind of the story there. It was pretty wild.
0: And it's actually is pretty brave of you to go again back to the scene of the crime because statistically yeah. the statistical probability of getting your other front tooth knocked out was very low. And yes. normally lightning does not strike twice and the tooth fairy is not going to show show her face Two nights in a row. Yeah,
1: I hope.
0: Yeah. Well, what kind of performances do you do, and what brought you to New York?
1: So, um, I am a dancer and a circus performer. Um, I've been focusing more on circus performance lately than dance, but I do do still dance here, here and there. Um, you
0: mean like circus, like Barnum and Bailey with the elephants, or no, like Cirque a, du Soleil type of like that? Think twisty... more Cirque
1: du okay. I am an aerialist and contortionist. There's no
0: dung smell in the air when you perform. No, thankfully. no.
1: So I'm an airless and contortionist. I do different shows around the city, a lot of private events, stuff like that.
0: Because I can imagine being in Los Angeles, it's the, I don't want to say the media capital, but there's so many theaters and ways to perform. Did the performance take you to LA or you were like, I can't wait. You were like, I want to be an advanced scout for the Dodgers. That's why I'm moving to LA.
1: I was born and raised in LA. So I, I actually didn't really start performing until, um, I went to college in Pennsylvania and joined the dance company in college and then moved to New York after that and just sort of continued. And, and it has now been, you know, 10 years of me training and dancing and performing in New York. So
0: that's amazing that going to Pennsylvania is when you found this as opposed to obviously being well, in the
1: yeah, entertainment so capital of really- the country. I was in choir in high school and I got to college and I auditioned for the acapella groups and I didn't get in. And then I auditioned for the dance company and I got in. So that's essentially what set my life on this path.
0: I like it. We all need backup plans. I'm, I'm all for that. So yeah. being from uh, from uh, the LA area, where what was your first exposure to the Dodgers and what are like some of uh, one or two memorable experiences being in LA and being a Dodger fan?
1: So I think my first game I was pretty probably like eight years old they had a deal on this so this would have been like the late 90s and they had a deal at the time where you could get four tickets and four hot dogs and parking something like that for like stupid cheap because I mean late 90s the Dodgers were not the best team in their division and I think they were just trying to like get butts in seats so my parents took me and my little brother and i was probably seven or eight the first time we went and we i kind of remember being like i don't want to go i'm not gonna like this no, nah, no, nah, because nah. i was a little girl and i had the best time ever um and then we just started going all the time and it was because of that deal it was like cheaper for my parents to take us to a Dodger game than to the movies you know so we we just would go all the time um there are some very cute pictures of me and my dad when I'm little out sitting out in the bleachers one of the most memorable ones was I don't know if you've ever been to Dodger Stadium but anyone who has uh-huh. been knows that getting out of the parking lot can be horrible and that's why Dodger fans I think have this reputation for leaving games early and it has gotten a lot better but in the late 90s they had not figured out like how to like direct the traffic out of the parking lot. And so we were there for my brother's, my little brother's birthday. So there was probably like two minivans full of little boys. And so I don't know, maybe this was like his seventh birthday. So I was like nine or 10. And um we got the short end of the stick and we're stuck in the parking lot for I'm not exaggerating, maybe two hours and it was 90 degrees and we had all these little kids and I know that's not a great memory but that is one of the clearest memories I have is sitting in the parking lot after the game just like oh my god when are we gonna get out here so it's gotten better
0: I'm gonna as the unofficial representative of the LA Dodgers I'm gonna hold you accountable to this why in the world you mentioned hot dogs why in the world is the Dodger dog so disgusting I am Are, so disappointed in the question. food at Dodger Stadium. I mean, it's L freaking A. <laughs> arguably, arguably better food selection in the city, in the Los Angeles County than New York. And the food selection in, in, at Dodger Stadium is
1: poo You know, I have no idea. I've also been vegetarian for over 15 years, so I couldn't tell you the last time I ate a Dodger dog. I have no idea. I usually bring my own food when I go into the stadium. I, I mean, any stadium. As a vegetarian, it's a lot easier. The options are really bad at pretty much any stadium. Although Yankee Stadium's gotten better the past couple seasons.
0: Yeah, I, I keep. I've always said that. At least on the East Coast, the best food I think is in Citi Field. That they they did that they did that right. Even with it under Field the old
1: good food.
0: Yeah, even the it, old terrible Wilpon. Ownership. That's one thing they actually did really well. And obviously, Cohen is uh, Uncle Steve. Steve Cohen is, has continued that. So
1: I, I wouldn't say I've been to like that many stadiums, but in my experience, City Field was kind of the first one to bring in like, here's this cool chain of, you know, whatever food that just exists in New York City. I'm going to put it in the stadium instead of just having like horrible stadium food. They actually have vendors that you eat at on a regular day, not at the stadium. So I think that the trend that they started is a good
0: one. So you you had you said that the reason why your tooth got knocked out seven years ago is because you went with Dodgers supporters. I find that really interesting because I know I follow European soccer football and they have support groups. Where if you like the English Premier League, like I'm a big Manchester City supporter, and and they have like a supporters group. Like you know you go to the pub, the bar to watch the. But I hadn't heard about heard that about baseball. Do you have a Dodgers like support? club, yes. air quotes, club like that in, in New York?
1: Yes. So I found this group when I moved to New York, maybe it was 20, I moved to New York, I'm trying to think, after the postseason in 2013. So it must have been 2014. And, um, you know, it's it's hard for me to watch regular season games just because of the time difference. Um, but postseason is a lot easier to watch. So I think I Googled, like, where to watch Dodgers game in New York City, basically, um, and I found a Facebook group and it's literally just called NYC Dodgers fans. And I joined the group and just to try to figure out, okay, where are people watching? And then people would talk about, okay, I, you know, I know this, the bartender at this bar and he's going to put on the game or some of us are going to meet up here. Da da um, And over the years it has grown into a pretty large group. Um, and we have a home base now it's called Taqueria St. Mark's it's on St. Mark's and first, and it is the, New York City Dodgers clubhouse. Like you, you walk outside, you cannot help but notice it's a Dodgers bar. There's a huge mur- mural of Fernando outside on the wall. Um, it's decked out in Dodgers gear, a little bit of Lakers gear, but mostly Dodgers. This Taqueria St. Mark's. They also have a location, um, Taqueria Gramercy, which is not too far away from that as well. They also show all the games there, but home base is Taqueria St. Mark's. Um, and so that has really become like my la home away from home um it's the only place in new york where i can kind of just meet somebody at the bar first of all not weird there to just start talking to a random person at the bar because they're in dodger's gear and so you know you're gonna have something to talk about um and but it's the only place where when people say where are you from i say burbank i don't say la because anywhere else that means nothing to them and at this bar, everyone says I'm from L- I'm from Burbank. I'm from Torrance. I'm from Whittier. I'm from Glendale. I'm from Pasadena. Like <laughs> nowhere else in New York can you do that. Um, so I've made some like really great friends through that group who I'm you know in touch with all the time who are at my wedding and all of that stuff. And so um, that's the group that I always go to games with when the Dodgers are in town.
0: You know they do have good. I like the. I don't know how often you go back at back home to uh, to L.A. But they do have good like breakfast joints in Burbank. That That's what I found. In, yeah. um, I forget what what that one of the main streets is, but it's, yeah, I, I love your breakfast burritos in Burbank. I know you're a busy woman. You probably have like five jobs. You have a lot going on, beautiful things in your personal life. Here's a suggestion to you. If you're not able to go to, to um, the Taqueria DVR, that's my favorite thing. I love baseball. I, I love sports. I I I don't care. Like, I'm an Atlanta Braves fan, but I'll watch the game without commercials. Like, I'll I'll even start it like an hour later. Like, I'm not going to check my phone. I'm not going to go on to, like, Fox Sports or ESPN. I just want to watch the game. I don't want to watch any commercials. And to be fair, baseball has, as you know, shaved off, what, 20, 30 minutes, which is fantastic, which baseball has needed for a long time. But I'm a fan of DVR. And you, I think you're, you're just about to say that you're not a fan of DVR.
1: I cannot watch a game after it has happened. I know people who do that because of the same reason, just like the time zone is hard. I cannot bring myself to watch a game that is not live. It is just so weird to me. I don't know what it is. It's like, why do I need to watch this? I can just find out what happened. I usually will watch Fair enough. a quick recap the next day. Although I don't do it if we lost, because I don't want to watch a recap of us losing. Um, but if we won the night before, I'll watch the recap the next day. But I cannot watch, especially like a regular season game that, you know, may or may not actually be important. If it's over, it's over. And I missed
0: it. Yeah, that's the thing with with baseball is like if you happen to go, I don't know, like three days because like you have too much work or you're traveling, like it's like so much news has gone by because there's just so much happening with baseball and every single day
1: lots yeah and
0: lots and lots of baseball have you go have you been able to go out and continue to follow the Dodgers this season
1: so actually my husband is a lifelong Yankee fan um I don't know how we make that work but we do and so we actually just went out to LA for the Dodgers Yankee series we went with my parents um and my brother you know it's was we try to go out to LA maybe twice a year, see my family. Um, and the, the schedule came out for this year. We see, you know, beginning of June Yankees at Dodger Stadium. We say, okay, I guess that's when we're going to go visit my parents. Um, so we just went out for that. It was a great time. Um, we went to two of the games. I took one, he took one. And so I think that was the best outcome our marriage could hope for. Um, (laughs) it was a great time.
0: I think Dodger Stadium is a fantastic stadium, but going back to that, what you said earlier about the traffic getting in, it's such a, even when you get off of, what is it, like Van, um, uh, Van, uh, Vaughn, what, uh, the, the announcer, on the tip of my it's tongue. I, avenue. Yeah, when you get off of there, it's still a drive to get into the stadium, and the reality is that they're, knock on wood, they're never going to tear down Dodger Stadium, but because now it's an institution in LA, but well, it's still... It's- Far it's removed.
1: the oldest stadium now which is crazy
0: and you kind of wish that it was kind of like part of the city because you think of again back in new york city field it's part of the fabric of queens yankee stadium it's part of the fabric of the bronx they're both right off of the subway lines
1: this is something that i actually think the yankees do have a leg up is that you get walk out of yankee stadium and it's in the middle of a neighborhood you're right next to bars and restaurants and the subway and you're just in the middle of this bustling neighborhood. Um, and daughter Shave doesn't have that. You walk out and it's a parking lot and actually to an extent, City Field, you walk out and it's a parking lot. So that's something that I actually, you know, because my husband is a Yankees fan. So we end up going to a lot more Yankee games during the year. Just obviously we live here and that's something that I really think they have a leg up. It's just this you're just in the middle of regular life. And it's so the the baseball and the stadium are so integrated into the neighborhood, yeah. into the people's lives who live around there. And I just think that adds something really special.
0: You know, what's been special is the Dodgers over the past, what, like eight, 10 years taking down like every other every division title except, what, two years ago when the Giants. Yeah. And now I'm a big fan of them, the Arizona Diamondbacks. They've come out of. I think they've come out of nowhere, they and
1: come they out are of giving nowhere.
0: the Dodgers the business. I'm like, is this going to be another special year for the, for the Dodgers? You think? Like, what's are they going to have to go the wild card round? Because there's so well, the injuries is, are incredible, like in a bad way. The Dodgers have had to suffer. Yeah, from.
1: I feel like the Dodgers are their own worst enemy right now. We're behind, but it's not that the Diamondbacks have been beating us. It's we've been losing to ourselves. If you looked at. Some of the more recent losses, in particular, it's like the bullpen lost that game. <laughs> like the bats were on, defense is on. It was the bullpen, um, and I just, you know, I hope they can turn it around. But I also think that this year is so different. You look at the team, and it's not the same team we've had for the past few years. It's especially like without Justin Turner. I feel like, in particular, it's just it's very weird to see him in any other uniform. Um, so I wasn't, I don't want to be too pessimistic. I didn't have my hopes up too high this year just because, you know, without some of those like classic guys that really make up the core of the team, you know, it's going to be different. Even if it's not bad, it's going to be different. So we'll see if they can turn around. I hope so, obviously, but I
0: don't know. I think that I tend to be a pessimistic fan. So I am obviously, I'm not a soothsayer. I I can't read the tea leaves, but. I kind of foresaw some problems with the Dodgers because in the offseason they basically closed up the the, the checkbook. They let yeah. everyone walk away there, and it may be because they probably want to go after Shohei Otani at the end of in in this upcoming offseason. But it was weird to see of the big bad gazillionaire Dodgers not really signing the people that they need to. But also, it may have been misplaced confidence in all the young kids that they have coming up, uh, the pitchers, the infielders. And who knows? Again, we're here talking towards the end of June and there's still three months to go. So we'll see. I think
1: it was a combination of, I mean, our our farm system is so great. So to an extent, you can kind of always rely on that. I think they definitely are trying to hoard some money for Otani. Um, I would be, I mean, who knows where Otani will go, but I'm sure the Dodgers are going to go after him real hard and, and make the best offer they can. Um, I also wonder how much of their lack of moves in the postseason had to do with the weighty game with Trevor Bauer. It was that that saga, I mean, we never should have signed him in the first place, but that saga was just drawn out for so long. And it was always like, well, are we going to have to pay him or not? (laughs) I think so much of the waiting was just, well, how much budget do we have? Are we going to have to pay this guy or not? So that was really frustrating to watch because as a fan I was like I don't want to see this guy in a Dodger uniform ever again so just you know cut your losses and, and move on but I feel like they were kind of waiting for a long time
0: yeah and speaking of obviously Trevor Bauer the pitcher who's now playing in the Japanese league did you and now here I'm thinking of a of an, a, a pitcher injured Julio Rias the Mexican pitcher yeah. for the LA Dodgers what you had just said reminded me that Julio Rias had his debut against the New York Mets in CD field were you randomly? at that game or did do you, did you catch that game?
1: I don't think I was there. I I'm trying to remember. I think that was one of the games that I was not able to go to. I don't always, you know, when, when the Dodgers come, I always go, I don't always go all three games. It's right. a lot to go like three in a row. I don't think I was there, but I feel like I was watching it.
0: Yeah. He was, <laughs> was super hyped. Yeah, I but, watched it because I remember they they showed it on I think it was MLB Network and they, he was super hyped. I was excited to see him and he like labored through I think like an he, it took him like seventy pitches to go through like an inning. But five years later, he is, he is awesome. He is so good. But he'll yeah. he'll come back from uh, I know he's on the, the injured list right now. You're obviously a big baseball fan. Love the Dodgers from LA. You're smart. You've done all these different things. I'm going to take you away from performing. I'm going to take you. I'm going to take off. Your theoretical Dodgers hat, and I'm going to make you the Major League Baseball commissioner. What's okay. one or two things you do to impact change the game in the way you want it?
1: I'm getting rid of the Manford man immediately. I hate the Manford man.
0: But but the I thought we agreed that, that it. it's good I, that the game is shortened.
1: I hate the Manford man. I just think it's like I just think it's so stupid. It like I don't see what it's adding. It's just sometimes creates runs that no pitcher really gave up. But a lot of the time I don't think it even shortens the game. I remember seeing, um, you know, I'm pulling data from thin air, but I vaguely remember seeing something on like Reddit where someone had actually done the stats and looked at it over however many games and it didn't shorten the game. So you have this like bonus guy and you can't even get him home. It's like, why, why is he there? I, I just, I hate it. I hate it
0: so much. <laughs> I can't stand Rob Manford. And obviously you're talking about the, in the extra innings, there's there's someone on second base to start every single inning after the ninth inning. I can't stand Rob Manford as commissioner, but this I agree with because at the same time, it's the same rule for both teams. Let's get everyone home. Do we need to be there at 1130 at night on a Wednesday? No. Do you need to be staying up at 1130 at night on a Wednesday no. watching TV? But if but but if you were to DVR, it wouldn't matter. So there, you, you can have your. I'm joking. All right, so you're getting rid of the Manford runner, Manford man, whatever, whatever we're calling it. What's what's something else? Do you have do you have up your sleeve that you would want to change to make it a better experience for you?
1: I don't know exactly what I would do, but I think the postseason has some room for improvement. I think the postseason drags on kind of a, a little too long for me, and I think that. This has happened the past few years, I feel like I've noticed where with the way it's structured with the wildcard teams and the divisions, like you'll end up having a wild card team that has a better record than some of the other teams who have their guaranteed spot. So I don't know exactly what I would do, but it always feels like kind of disappointing as a fan where you're like, we have a significantly better record than that other team and they have this spot and we have to play for our lives. Um, So I think I I would maybe make some a little bit of shakeups there, but I'm not sure exactly what I feel.
0: That's a really good point that that actually is happens across most of the sports. When you're talking about like the NFL, where you have a a wildcard team, exactly what you said, who has a better record than the division winner of some random division. But because they're the division winner, they get a, a playoff game at home. I would say to tweak that improvement is team with a better record gets home field advantage. Mm -hmm. that's how that's what i would say like okay we get home field advantage against a division winner like yeah division winner congratulations you did a good job for 160 games but you
1: don't get the home field
0: correct because you didn't show it through the whole season so that's my senior advice to you as my i I, like i anointed you commissioner i'm anointing myself your senior advisor as your role
1: i I already foresee this being an issue um this year when you look at the al east and oh yeah I, i think the last time i checked everyone was over 500
0: yeah, someone probably the, the maybe the Toronto Blue Jays, maybe the who the the, the New York Yankees are probably going to go have to play at the Minnesota Twins. who are probably going to finish like five or seven games behind whatever record yeah. the Yankees or the Blue Jays end up with.
1: And that's just frustrating for those fans where you're like, oh, we're playing so good, but our division is so good that we're going to miss the playoffs compared to all these other teams that have a worse record like. If that was me, I'd be really frustrated
0: about it. So, yeah, no, I, I I I completely agree with you. Earlier, you were talking about Dodger dog, and you agreed with me how disgusting they are. And you shared with us that you have been vegan or vegetarian,
1: vegetarian,
0: vegetarian for a while now. Obviously, you're a performer, so you have to have the only the best fuels your body to do what you need to do. <laughs> I love talking about food. I love, as you said, you and your husband, you travel back to L.A. and try to schedule it around the the Yankee the, the Yankees visiting the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. When we travel, I always I also like to travel around baseball, like saying, you know, if there's a good team coming on, if someone is traveling to New York to see their team or they're on a business trip, what's a couple of places where they could find a good coffee, drink, food place in the Brooklyn area or somewhere in the other boroughs when they visit New York?
1: So I'm always going to recommend Bell St. Mark's. That's, you know, that's my number one. I think uh, New York has a reputation of not having good Mexican food. And I think that's not true. I think you just have to know where to go and, and where to find it compared to LA. You walk into almost any Mexican place. It's going to be great. Not true in New York, but you can never find it.
0: Or um, street but, tacos. Sorry? In Or street tacos in LA.
1: Yeah, for sure. But one of the things that I will often take people to get when they're visiting New York besides the obvious like pizza bagels you know things like that is Chinese hand-pulled noodles that is something that especially like Chinese
0: hand-pulled noodles
1: noodles. there's a spot near me in Brooklyn called Dunhuang Miss Noodle um there's also a ton of places in Manhattan one I really like is spicy village but this is like super spicy Sichuan peppercorn numbs your mouth hand-pulled noodles in usually in a soup And that's something that I feel like, I mean, there's plenty of places in New York that do it so well. And if you're from, I don't know, my husband's from Vermont, so we always have a lot of people visiting from Vermont. And that's something you cannot get in Vermont, as far as I've ever found. So that's something that we take people to for sure, is like, oh, you want to eat the best New York has to offer? Like, let me get you this.
0: All right. But before you go on, let's sit there for a little while. What is the difference between hand pulled noodles versus other noodles? Like, what I'm not that familiar on how they're produced.
1: So, they are hand pulled to order. So, they have the dough, I think, probably ready to go in a ball, and someone is like physically stretching it out until it's whatever thickness noodle. A, A lot of places will actually let you order different thicknesses. I always go extra wide. Um, But you can also get really skinny and they're just pulling it into like essentially a big circle of dough um, and then wrapping it up and pulling it again, wrapping it up, pulling again. So you actually you end up getting a bowl of what's one giant noodle as opposed to like spaghetti where it's like many noodles all cut. Um, So it's it's fresh pulled to order.
0: I'm going to have to go back and when I when I come back and edit this, I'm definitely going to write that down because yeah. I'm always open to going to, to uh, delicious new Asian places in New York. And yeah, I love I, I usually love to go to Taiwanese places, but all right. So we have two places. Is there anything else you want to share with us when it comes with food or a coffee or tea where to start your day right or to or to end the day to wind it down with maybe a glass of I don't know. Is there is this just thing as vegetarian wine? I don't know. Maybe there is.
1: <laughs> there's a lot of good cocktail spots in New York. I do love a good cocktail bar. There's also obviously like great Italian food. Um, where I am in Brooklyn, um, there's actually new Italian restaurants by run by newer Italian immigrants. So not the like old school New York, New Jersey, Italian, like American red sauce style, but actually like people who are more recently from Italy. Um, there's, there's a few different like Neapolitan pizza spots. Um, there's, um, a spot right by me that's kind of blowing up. It's called Macosa Trattoria. And, um, the guy who runs it is not from Italy, but I think is not too far removed from Italy. Um, and that's really good. That's a really good spot that is in the neighborhood that I love to go to.
0: Well, awesome. I hope that some of the Dodgers, when they're in town to play either the New York Mets or the Yankees, they'll go there to help fuel them for a sweet, a New York mm-hmm. sweep. Hopefully go back to LA, even though you can find amazing Asian food in, in LA thinking about oh, a, a Filipino spot that I ate at recent, uh, I ate at in, uh, in, I think it was in Van nice. Uh, anyways, doesn't matter close to Burbank, but Ali, I want to thank you for joining us. If you want to let us know where potentially in the future we can see you perform or anything that you want to share with social media to get to know oh, more well, about you beyond reading, the New York Times wedding announcement, hopefully, and that's the only wedding announcement you're in. Let, let me say that hopefully.
1: <laughs> hopefully. Well, um, I think my my next performance will be over by the time this episode comes out. Um, and then after that, I'm actually taking a break from performing because I am six months pregnant. Um, <laughs> so congratulations. You know, that's a little bit on hold for now. But you know, hopefully that'll be coming back soon next year. And I'll, be, I'll have more gigs in the city for people to come check me out.
0: And where can they can they follow you somewhere?
1: Um, My Instagram is A-L-Y-X-X-G, and that's where I usually post about performances and stuff like that.
0: I want to thank Ali for joining us this week. I love Los Angeles. I love New York, but I think I love Los Angeles a little bit more. Are you a bi-coastal elitist? I'm a man of the people. Stop that nonsense. And I'm going to thank the people from someone, at least from Upper Marlboro, Maryland, Malmo, Sweden, Irvine, California, El Cajon, California. Buffalo Grove, Illinois, West Babylon, New York. That's a heck of a town. I'd never been there. I'd never heard of that. But thank you. And lastly, uh, some place called Blantyre, Malawi, which is in East Africa. Because I love geography, and I love all of our weekly listeners. Look, thanks for listening. Be active. Be yourself. Be excited whether you're a New York Mets fan, whether you're a New York Yankees fan, whether you're Atlanta Braves fan, whether you're a Texas Rangers fan. Be excited, be active, be healthy, and let's get together next week for a brand new episode of HBP, Hips or Baseball Podcast. Bye.